0: Welcome to the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. I'm Sean Aylmer. It's been a pretty nervous week or so for global financial markets. From the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank to the rescue of Credit Suisse by UBS, the banking sector, I think, is in turmoil right now. So what does it mean for investors? Remember, this is general information only. You should get professional advice before making any investment decisions. Daniel Moss is a market analyst at Vantage Markets. Daniel, welcome to Fear and Greed. Thanks for having me, Sean. Did you expect this two weeks ago? It's been pretty crazy. <laughs>
1: um, no, I don't. I don't think anyone really expected it, unless you were paying attention to the footnotes on the Silicon Valley Banks 4K. But I think this is what you see happen when the rate of change in terms of the the rate tightening cycle out of the Federal Reserve and out of, you know, the majority of other developed global central banks. When you push this hard, it's not like, you know, touching a break, as it were, when you're trying to to slow down, you know, economic growth or economic activity. It really is kind of that sort of slingshot where you keep going, you keep going, and then eventually something breaks. And and here we have we've seen two banks collapse and then another um, having to get some emergency assistance as well. So I mean, is it something that I thought was going to happen? Uh, not this early in, in the tightening cycle, but I mean, it was, it was kind of inevitable at the end of the day.
0: I suppose what you just, as you were talking there, what really became clear to me, it's the speed of rate rises that triggers this sort of thing. As I mean, rate rises triggers failures. That's just life and let's forget the specifics, but the speed of rate rises kind of means this stuff happens. Is that right? absolutely right I mean that
1: was was essentially what the problem was with uh Silicon Valley Bank let's forget about the fact that they had an undiversified clientele I mean every single one of their clients essentially had more than 250 thousand dollars in deposits held that's over the the insured limit so when they start seeing that there's a duration mismatch of course they're going to pull funds quite quickly but you know in reality if this was a slower rate hiking cycle this may have given that bank a little bit more leeway with the duration instead of you know going 350 400 basis points within 12 months when you are going to start to see those mark to market losses really pile up and then if you do get you know an excessive amount of withdrawals you are in really big trouble so you know, we're looking at uh, an unprecedented rate rise in terms of you know, actual percentage-wise. But when you look at basis points, obviously, it's, it's going back to the sort of Volcker era where a lot of things broke as well. So it definitely is the rate of change, which is going to be the issue moving forward. And as we can see, the, the Fed is obviously coming to terms with that. They've implemented this new bank term lending facility. And even over the weekend, we're looking at you know coordinated response with five other central banks uh, to ensure that there was ample US dollar liquidity. So Clearly, they're starting to see that that things are breaking, and it's time to put in some stop gaps just in case uh, we get a little bit more deterioration in the banking sector.
0: Okay, so where do we go from here? So, as you just mentioned, we had five central banks over the weekend talking about liquidity. You need, I mean, you need banks to be able to lend money. You need you need liquidity in the market. You had UBS more or less forcibly told to buy Credit Suisse at a massive discount and with all sorts of guarantees from the Swiss National Bank, but still it happened and they were forced to do it. What happens next? Is this likely to cause a global crisis, like contagion or a crisis? Or do you think that we're in a very different position to where we were in 2007, so it's not going to be as bad? What's your take, Daniel? Well, I hope, I
1: hope it's a completely different scenario to 2007, 2008. I hope we don't have to do that again. And I think you would look at the, the regulations that have come in, uh, especially in Europe. I mean, you have the liquidity cover ratios of, of the average of those banks sitting at about 160% in comparison to what in the US is about 110%. So they are adequately capitalized. I think we are starting to see some of the more risky banks. That had risky clientele and were doing, you know, not adequate risk management, you know, not even hedging their interest rate exposure. I think that is is the the key issue here, and and they will fall away. In terms of a contagion, again, I think we are in a different position now. I think there is adequate stop gaps in in there to to prevent a more sort of systemic collapse as what we saw um in two thousand and eight. But it is again early days. We're not too sure of the health of the of the balance sheets of a lot of these different banks because they're able to, you know, hold to maturity and and, and not really tell shareholders or tell the market what their mark to market losses are. So I do think we're in a different position. I don't think we're going to face what we faced in two thousand and eight, but for sure we are on in, in in a period where I think it's going to be very, very hard for the Federal Reserve to continue hiking rates and fighting inflation if things continue to break and if we start to see some more dysfunction and dislocation within financial markets.
0: So just taking that further, if the uh, Fed Reserve decides that it can't afford to keep putting up interest rates because it risks putting other banks under, it kind of has to take its eye off inflation a bit though, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, and I think that's probably the the most scary thing for me is we now are facing this sort of stagflationary environment. If the foot has to be taken off the gas by the Federal Reserve, I mean, inflation is still Three times higher than their mandated target, about six percent. And if you look at some of the Atlanta Fed's gauges that they put out, they actually measure sticky inflation, um, and that's still on the uptrend. So there is a stickiness to this inflation, which would, you know, necessitate further rate hikes. But as you said, like if we if we're starting to see things break, does that mean the Fed has to pause here, or maybe even just move in smaller increments? And if you're looking at market pricing today. And even if we just go back two weeks ago, Jerome Powell came out and was pretty forcible in saying, you know, look, we're, we're not done and we probably have to be a little bit more aggressive moving forward. That saw market's price in, you know, a 50% chance of a 50 basis point hike. Fast forward three days, we have the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and now people are betting on, you know, a 50-50 chance that they won't even hike. Mm. So whatever the Fed does this week Is going to be extremely volatile i lean towards the fact that they probably do 25 basis points here to not spook the market i think if they're seen to to pause now you're sending the signal now look we've had to put all these emergency measures in we are really quite scared about what the impact of our interest rate hikes are going to have on the on the larger markets and then the economy as a whole. So I don't think they'll stop at this point. I do think 25 basis points and then start to, to talk more about, you know, data dependency and and saying that monetary policy acts with the lag just to see if we can smooth out what's happening in the banking sector and get back to some some sort of normality there where everything's functioning well and then they can prioritise inflation. But I mean, if they are forced to, to sort of stop here, that is when that stagflationary scenario does come to the forefront and we could be heading for what we haven't seen for, you know,
0: 20, 30 years. Stay with me, Daniel. We'll be back in a minute. My guest this morning is Daniel Moss, Market Analyst at Vantage Markets. Okay, so let's bring it back to Australia. What does it mean? What's going on with Credit Suisse and UBS? What's going on with the US regional banks? Does it actually have any impact on Australia? So we're relatively siloed here in Australia. I think we don't have the sheer number of depository
1: institutions that you look at in the US. I mean, they have thousands of banks um, across the the entire nation, all operating, you know, independently. We don't have that sort of mix here. We are less diversified, as it were, but also, you know, in a better uh, financial situation. Even I believe one of the RBA members this morning, Kent, was talking about that that our banks, in particular, are very well situated to to sort of weather this storm, even if they do have to continue hiking rates you know, aggressively over the next coming months. Now, the RBA is obviously in a different position here. We're starting to see a little bit of weakness in the local market. You know, unemployment did drop a little bit. You know, inflation still remains high, but we have consumer confidence coming off and retail sales, you know, not really that robust. So we're seeing some weakness in the consumer. And we've also had Governor Lowe sort of flaunt or flirt with the idea that a pause is just around the corner. And I think that is kind of what's helped the ASX stay a little bit higher as of late. Yes, it has sold off significantly with US market, but since, since the start of 2022, if you were just to do a spread trade, short the US market by the Aussie market, you would have done quite well. Aussie stocks have performed a decent amount more. And I think the good thing is we're obviously relying on you know data out of China. China is continuing to reopen. And again, when they're buying the majority of our exports, I think that kind of underpins the ASX a little bit more than what's happening overseas. But in terms of the banking sector, I do think we're relatively siloed, relatively protected, and wouldn't be looking at the same sort of issues that have arisen
0: in in Europe and in the US. Okay. What about fixed income markets? It, it, one of the parts of the Credit Suisse deal which was unusual was hybrid bonds, which is a, a form of bond, was subordinated. Well, no, equity holders were subordinated beyond uh, behind hybrid bondholders, which is slightly unusual in the world of bonds. Mostly equity holders lose their money before the bondholders do. What do you think that means for the local market?
1: For us in the local market, I mean, Again, it's hard to, to kind of bring across what the, the collapse of Credit Suisse, or not the collapse, but the merger between UBS and, and Credit Suisse is going to have on, on our local market. I think just looking at bond yields in general, I think what we're seeing, especially in government bonds, is that the market is is essentially saying that the RBA is going to be done here and we'll be looking at cutting rates into to the back end of this year. And if you look at what that means to the banking sector, I think, you know, you're going to see some margin compression there for sure. We do obviously have a, even the housing market over here is something we have to focus on when it comes to, you know, how far can the RBA actually hike rates? And again, we're, we're looking at weakness there. And, and when we do get to the end of the year, that's when a lot of those variable or those fixed rate mortgages will have to refix at higher rates. So for me, in just terms of focusing on you know, Australian government bonds, it does look like the market is pricing in cuts at the end of this year. um, And whether or not that is going to overflow into equity markets and see the ASX hold up a little bit stronger, I'm not entirely sure at this point. But I would say that the Aussie dollar is in a a little bit of trouble if this does
0: eventuate. Daniel, times like this when there's so much going on, is it fun, your job? Oh, it's, it's the best. I think there's <laughs> as much as that's
1: you know, can be perverse at times when there is obviously a yeah, lot of people yeah. on the on the other side of this, I think, you know, the puzzle trying to figure out exactly what's happening, you know, what gyrations or, or a little bit of a, a ripple in one market can do on the other side of the world, I think it's absolutely fantastic. You wouldn't want to be anywhere else really than than on a desk and, and kind of just looking at this and, and trying to figure out what to do next. Even just the debate over um, you know, whether or not the Federal Reserve is gonna hike or are they gonna stay or Uh, you know, is the RBA going to continue hiking as well? I think it makes it all absolutely fascinating.
0: Fantastic. Daniel, thank you for talking to Fear and Greed. Thank you so much, Sean. That was Daniel Moss, Market Analyst at Vantage Markets. This is the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. Remember, this information is general in nature and you should seek professional advice before making any investment decisions. Join us every morning for the full episode of Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Sean Aylmer. Enjoy your day.